Hey everybody, welcome to the Reading Radio Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Alara. And we just want to welcome you to the show. Ask that you uh, check it out. If you're not familiar with our show, if it's your first time listening, we're just an online book club, father and daughter, reading some great classical fiction, having some great discussions, and we just want to invite you to come along and join us. You can check out the list of books we're doing or have done in the past at reading-radio.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast while you're there, and tell us all about what you think of the books. Does that sound like a plan? Yep. Appreciate it. What have you been up to since we last recorded? What? It's been a while, because we're actually like four months ahead for once. We last recorded in July, so we started school since then. Yeah. Well, homeschooling's taken off? Yeah. Doing pretty well? Um, A lot better than last year, I think, because we're doing like different things for everything. Which is, a lot, which is a lot of fun. Very articulate that you are there. Different things for everything. <laughs> Different activities for every subject, perhaps. Yeah, that works. Yeah. And this podcast is even part of our school curriculum, right? So it works yeah. out well. So what books have you been reading? Well, other than this one, I'm reading Animal Farm for next month, for next month's show. I just finished The Lies of Locke Lamore, which was a great fantasy novel, not kid-friendly at all. From a nonfiction perspective, I am reading Alienated America, which is a story of why people are becoming more and more lonely and depressed and alienated. It has a lot to do with leaving churches and civic organizations, fraternal organizations, and that sort of thing, um, especially in small towns where people where population is dwindling. So it's only a few chapters into it, but it's, it's a really interesting read. What about you? What are you reading? I just started the Gone series by Michael Grant. I finished the first book recently, and I started the second one today. And that's a really good book. It's um, sci-fi, fic- like it's a sci-fi dystopian. I'm very into this dystopian. Yeah, you, you read a lot of that. Yeah. And then um, for nonfiction, I'm reading a lot of books on Outbreak, which is my science, different diseases and how they work. Just still studying viral virology for science, yeah, that sort of thing. I picked that because I read the Maze Runner and I wanted to figure out the science of the flare disease. Oh, the beauty of being homeschooled, being able to kind of study what you want and figure out things based on your interests. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. So this book, if you're not familiar with it, is a, a historical fiction book, and it's the first one we've delved into on the show. Um, kind of unintentionally, actually. We picked it up for a road trip we were on. And for the virology that I'm doing. That too. Uh, and read it as a family. And we decided, hey, since we read this whole book on this trip, we might as well record for it. And add, since we could add it to the end of our list, right? Yeah. I was not disappointed. How about you? I wasn't either. It was really good. I should probably say, if, you, if you're not paying attention, it's Fever, 1793 by Lori, I'm guessing Halsey or Halse, H-A-L-S-E, Anderson. And it is a... Historical fiction tale take, that takes place during the yellow fever outbreak in Philadelphia in 1793. So before we del- dive into this book, what other historical fiction have you read in the past? You know, you, we, kind of t- touch, we kind of touched on that a little bit before we started, and I honestly don't know, unless you count Little House on the Prairie as being historical fiction, that I've read any. I don't think that counts as fiction, though, because it's a biography, right? Well, it is... Some of the stories are, are supposed to be made up or exaggerated to fit. Mm. So it's the closest to historical fiction I think I've ever actually read before this book. I'd, I'd have to think pretty hard about it. I don't remember reading any as a kid. Um, so nothing's standing out to me. This might be my first one. What about you? 
Um, I have read a ton of the different American Girl books, like the ones that come with the dolls. The original ones. I haven't read much of the Be Forever ones, because I was too old by the time those came out. You're talking another language to me. I don't even know what you mean. There's someone out there who will know what I mean. I, I hope they do. Let You know what? Put a comment on the website, say, I know what Allura means, and I'll be, and I'll turn, you know, I'll, I'll repent and say, you're right, somebody does know what you're talking about, it's just not me. <laughs> so, initial thoughts. You see the book, mom says we're going to read it, go. Well, I really had, other than the cover and the name of it, I really had nothing to go on. I, I thought the author did a really good job of just telling a good story with the backdrop of the fever. Um, and then the chapter introductions had those neat little excerpts from uh, other f- books or other or news articles or things written about the time to really bring you into what was happening. So I really felt like I, at, by the end of the book, I understood what happened during that time. We had a lot of discussions about you know what medicine was practiced at the time because we did 1793. There was still a lot of leeching going on. Uh, kids, if you that don't, that is that terrifies me. <laughs> if you don't, that is kids. Ask your parents. A lot of uh, bloodletting. Uh, things that would just obviously not be good medicine today. So it was it was it was interesting. I, I thought the story was well paced. I thought it did a great job of, like I said, telling the story, making it exciting, and still portraying the historical value of the context. What about yeah. you? So first thoughts. Um, I wasn't based on the cover and stuff. I wasn't really expecting a fiction, like a historical fiction. I was thinking more of a factual, but the story itself was really well done. There wasn't really any part where I was like bored wondering what was going to happen next, like not wondering what was going to happen next, but waiting for this section to be over. Everything flowed together really smoothly, so it didn't seem like there was too much or too little in any spots. No, I think it's good. What do you think about age um, age category? Like who, who could read this, who should read this? Reading level... Probably third or fourth grade. So is that eight, nine? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Was but, there, I don't recall. I don't remember anything context-wise, but it was questionable. There was a few descriptions of, like, the leeching and the... Diseased people. Yeah, and the puke and stuff, but it wasn't anything inappropriate right okay so if your kids have sensitive stomachs maybe or are grossed out easily <clears throat> otherwise reading level of course we listen to it so maybe hard harder to judge um i'd say eight or not nine or ten maybe and then for for content it's fine if you're reading it to somebody as i recall it would be pretty good again with the caveat of the squeamishness or the stomach issues that might cause problems well there also was descriptions of when when Maddie was serving in their cafe, that people were smoking and drinking. But it wasn't... I grew up in a different era. I didn't even think about that. So, yeah, that would probably be more questionable for a younger generation. So that's a good call out. Yeah. But it wasn't too bad. It's not like it was important. And she she also described her father, grandfather, of having the smell of tobacco on him. Right. So this is is definitely a story of its time. People smoked. Yeah. Tobacco was a big industry for America. Um, even way back then. So it's still a very important product and think people still did it and didn't know that it killed you in the long term, in the long run. All right. So before we enter into the spoiler zone, is there anything else you want to want to chat about? 
Nope, that's all I can think of. Now we are entering the spoiler zone. Dun dun dun! So for those of you who have not read the book and are interested in reading the book, then I'd stop this now, pick up a copy of the book, and come back later. If you've already read the book or don't care about spoilers, then listen on. And now you can't complain that we didn't warn you. So this book was pretty interesting. Um, I love this. I love Maddie as a character. I think she developed a good bit over time. Yeah. Um, opens up with her kind of being. She was she she was worked hard by her mother. Her mom was a really stern woman, like as far as running a tight ship. Yeah. But, but even then, she was just she was more of that childish. You have to tell me exactly what to do, and I'll do just that kind of mode. Till she, by the end of the book, obviously she's running the place on her own. She really takes ownership of, of who she is and what needs to be done. Because she was really, she was essentially going to be on her own. And she recognized that a little earlier than she probably needed to be and took, and took ownership of that responsibility. Yes, the development with her was really well done. And it wasn't anything like completely drastic. But it was subtle throughout the whole book, so if you would look at her at the beginning and the end, you would notice a difference. Yeah, I think the author did a really good job of making it about the events that occurred, kind of molding and shaping her. Yes. Um, Which can lead to another interesting discussion question, kind of outside the book. There are events that define areas and generations. Uh, I don't... What do you think that would be for your generation? Is there, is there something that stands out as something that shaped you guys or something that had a, had a big impact, even on a, even maybe on a small area, maybe just here in town? Can you think of anything along those lines? I mean, the more modern books that have been coming out have different, changed my personality. Well, I was looking more like so... Nothing like... <clears throat> a, a, an epidemic of this, of this magnitude... Uh, it was the largest percentage-wise epidemic in for deaths in American history up to that point. Um, changes the shape of the city of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Changes the way they do things. Changes who lives there. Because I'm sure some of the people who left just didn't even bother to come back. Um, changes probably the way they ran the healthcare system that they had. So the French doctors we find out were coming in and having more success because they were using you know real medicine and not just cutting people. So for my generation, it's I think it's obviously 9-11. You know, and of course it is September 16th as we record this. And so that's kind of on the forefront of people's minds. So it changed the way we thought as a, as a generation. It was the first big event that happened. I think everybody, in my, everyone my age and maybe a little younger, a little older, remembers where they were when they found out. It's changed the way law is practiced. It, um, it, it's changed the rules that we have in play. It's changed the way we do things. So this is kind of that same same kind of story for Philadelphia, and that's more of what I was going for. I can't, I really couldn't think of anything major for for your generation at this at this point, as far as that that huge negative impact. So not not being able to have a ready answer is fine. I was just curious. Yeah, I couldn't come up with anything drastic. Yeah, for like my mom, it's definitely when JFK was assassinated. He was a mm-hmm. very beloved president. Everybody knows where they were when they heard the news. Um, before 9-11 for my generation, it was uh, the Challenger explosion. Really? You're looking at me puzzled. I don't think I've so heard of that. The Challenger was a space a space shuttle 
that was launching. And for, I can't remember how it came about, but a, a school teacher, non-astronaut school teacher, was going to go on board the space station. And it got up into the air, something went wrong, and it just exploded. So everyone, everyone died. But because a school teacher was going to be on it, almost every kid in the country was watching that TV in school. So watched it happen live. Just, and I was probably only first or second grade, maybe. So remember, like that's the first time we realized something we do that's huge could actually go bad. And go bad drastically. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that story before. Really? Never heard of the Challenger, huh? I don't think so. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was a big deal for, I mean, I'm, like I said, first or second grade. So it was almost 35 years ago, probably 1985 or 6. It's hard to remember now. But there will be those events in, in your lifetime that, that bring something out and, make, and have a huge impact and make changes because of the, just the magnitude of them. And so this was definitely one for Philadelphia and probably America as a whole. Yeah, because the epidemic wasn't just in Philadelphia. It probably got out a little bit, just not as drastically the rest of the place. Right. So one of the things that probably was different reading this book is the idea of the coffee house. Yes, that was interesting. <clears throat> did you have any idea what a coffee house was? Or when, when they said coffee house, what did you picture? Um, Kind of like a Starbucks and a McDonald's mixed together. <laughs> That's not too far off, I suppose. I mean, they had with a bit more um, tobacco and alcohol. <laughs> yeah, no smoking inside in, in Ohio. So they definitely had, definitely had coffee. They had tobacco. They had food. Um, coffee. I said that first, didn't I? You said tobacco first. Oh, coffee, tobacco, and food. So I guess yeah, and which where people sat and hung out when they weren't working. It was mm-hmm. kind of a place for people to be and socialize. Uh, outside of the outside of the Sunday service sort of thing or wherever else people got together in the market and that sort of place. It was interesting to see how um, the author decided to make Maddie's mother widowed and she was still running the business and taking care of her daughter at the same time alone, which wouldn't be very typical for that time for a woman to own a business and land. Yeah, you know, at the end, they talked about Maddie not being able to inherit or having problems with the inheritance. Now I don't remember. It's been a little bit. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the coffee house was technically still owned by the grandfather as a man or if we'd moved past that a little bit. So um, Lucille actually did own the coffee house. Mm-hmm. So I thought about that because... It was also interesting that they, ha- I'm not sure if the grandfather was living there before the father died or if he came in after that to be the man of the house. Right. Which it just seems like he was basically sat in the coffee house all day and he was kind of the social butterfly, which is good in that kind of environment. You need a friendly face. Mm-hmm. And Lucille was definitely too busy to do that. No one else could do it. So <clears throat> like Captain, Captain William Farnsworth Cook, she was so <laughs> proud to say, he, he knew everybody. He served under Washington, and he did all these things. And so he was the guy that everyone knew was always in the coffee house, glad-handing, talking, you know, make, telling stories, having a good time. And that's what, what people probably came there for. Yeah. I'd love to be, like, if there was a coffee house that had that kind of consistency where people were there and had locals. And most of the time, you said it's like Starbucks. People come in and they go, or they, they're doing their work. They're not really there to socialize. Mm-hmm. It would be much different if they stayed to, like, socialize. What did you think about the whole conversation at the Ogilvies? Like what that was about, trying to get, trying to 
find Maddie a match? Did that strike you as absurd? I mean, I know... I mean, I know stuff like that happened there, but it was interesting to see it happening at such a young age because she was only 13, 14 at the time of the book. I'm 13 now. I can't imagine you guys trying to find me a husband at 13, 14. Right, but people lived a lot young or didn't live nearly as long, so you had to get married or married earlier. <laughs> but be, well, coming from other cultures, look, 13 is kind of the age of ascendance. Like, that's when you become an adult. Well, I don't want to be an adult. I get that. That's, I don't want you to be either. But yeah, they were trying to set... No, the marriage wasn't going to happen next year. Yeah. There was you know, a courting period and arrangements to be made, but it, it was also interesting. There was such a class dynamic at play because they were um, business people and the Ogilvies yeah. were not business people. And so they thought it was ridiculous that they would even consider even the youngest brother, who is like the least desirable as far as birth order goes... Would be Maddie would be good enough for because she's a business owner, which sounds ridiculous. Like they own property, they own a business. It makes money. Where's the problem? I don't understand. It seems like roles have almost reversed now. I mean, we don't really have high class maid butlers here. At least it's probably happening somewhere. But um, a business owner would be like someone more fitting to be a husband right because he's got some sort of means to pr- provide for himself mm-hmm. and the family and the family and the family we assume you're gonna you're getting married at least that's a family whether you have kids or not <clears throat> so do you remember any of the other um switching subjects again do you remember any of the other possible causes people gave for yellow fever no i can't there's definitely a racial tone like the there was um, sailors coming from the islands and they thought they might have brought it with them. They thought black people were immune to it. That was kind of interesting. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where, where... Skin tone doesn't have anything to do with the genetic functions that would cause that to happen. Not entirely true. Like, there are genetic components to racial groups. I think it's sickle cells. Sickle cell anemia is 90 to 100% found in African Americans. I think it's sickle cell. There's there is some sort of disease that like because it's because of the genetic background, it's it's prone to be in those people. So mm-hmm. there is not with yellow fever, not with anything they knew about at the time. But when it comes to actually happening, yeah. This but it, at this time, they, there there was much more distinction between the races. They they were like not even the same category of people. They were very different because there was still slavery going on at this point. Oh yeah, seventeen ninety three. Yeah, definitely. And so one of the people that, well, the only other person that worked with them in the coffee house was Eliza, and she was a freed slave. Right. And she was part of the freed, was it freed Africans? Association. Association, I think it was called. I think so. Yeah, so it's all the folks that had either bought their freedom or, or born free, perhaps, that were, that were bound together uh, through the religious organizations to kind of make things happen, you know, for themselves and for others. Mm-hmm. And it, that was part of the true story, like... That was a real historical fact. The Freed African Society was took the opportunity of the yellow fever to step up and say, hey, we're going to contribute to society and hopefully be, be recognized and honored for it so that they could kind of earn, notori- not notoriety, that's not the word I'm looking for, but um, equality. Like, yeah. Hey, if they saved our lives, they did all these things for us, hey, we should not treat them like crap. It was a great plan. 
didn't work out perfectly, uh, but every little bit I think helped as far as clearing the way to uh, equality as we continue to work on it today. What are some more modern epidemics compared that could be compared like yellow fever? Compared or contrasted? How are they the same? How are they different? There was the Ebola outbreak in Africa. Mm-hmm. We watched a video, like a documentary on that, and it was really sad because they didn't know what it was. They thought it was something else. Spiritual or? No, they thought it was a different disease, so they oh. weren't taking care of it right. And they didn't, wouldn't let the doctors that had experience with it come in because they knew what it was. Okay, so the doctors knew what it was, but the locals didn't. Yeah. Got it. And so it got really out of hand. It started with, like, one person. Well, it started with kids looking for food, and so they killed a horde of bats and ate it. And that's what started it because it's passed through blood or bodily fluids. I did not know that. That's interesting. And so when people started going to the hospitals and dying because it was hard to cure, um some nurse started a rumor that there was no Ebola, this was cannibalism, and the people and the doctors were eating it. And so people believed it, and they got it quiet down, and then something else started again. So they stormed one of the hospitals. Why would... And destroyed, like, and a ton more people got sick. Because it, it wasn't exactly a sterile hospital. Right, and so it had spread by the blood after the people died or healing yeah. the bodies or... Okay. What else? You've been studying this kind of stuff. Um, that's the mo- one I can think of. What about, does it relate to dancing fever at all? No, it does not relate to dancing fever. What about disco fever? That's not a disease. I, I would say it was a travesty of the 70s. Okay, sorry, we'll move on. She doesn't appreciate my humor. Hopefully the parents listening do. I see you've read a lot of post-apocalyptic books. Yes. Maddie goes out grandfather almost dies you know side in countryside in the forest by a lake or by stream she found do you think you could survive the situation or what would you do what would you have done differently um i probably would have left grandfather there got enough of the berries and stuff to feed me for a while god i hope your pappy doesn't listen to this and go to one of the cities and try to get someone to help me but remember nobody was letting you in they were every but she wasn't sick he was sick so she would be able to get in oh i see but you think people would take the risk to help a stranger like that i don't know i mean it was fortunate that they found of course fortunate it wasn't a real story but <laughs> that the whoever came upon her and found her to take her to the hospital yeah that so she so she could actually recover when she got sick that was nice i was, I was really sad, though, I'm gonna, spoiler alert, that they go ahead and survive the fever and then die in a robbery attempt. Yes, that was terrible. It was a little disappointing in Grandfather. I guess he probably did the right thing by warning the guy ahead of time. But if you're as frail and decrepit as he is, I'm not giving the guy a warning on a muzzle loader because you get one shot and then it's going to take you five minutes to reload. And if you don't kill him, he's a young, strong dude. He's going to kill you both. That's one you should have run him through with the bayonet or just shot him from the beginning and scared his buddy off. I mean, but at least Grandfather ended up dying in protecting his granddaughter. Right, right. It's a heroic ending. I get it. I was just a little disappointed with that mess. <laughs> and I was really stumped at the end 
they're going through everything and I'm like, man, it's, is her mom dead? Like, what's going to happen here? <laughs> I At that time, you knew she wasn't dead. No, no. Towards the end. Like, you were guessing it, at least. I was guessing. But, I mean, I was more hoping, probably, than guessing. <laughs> like, okay, she lost grandfather. She's got Eliza, though. They could live happily ever after. And With Nathaniel? With the painter boy, yeah, Nathaniel. I don't know how that would work out. Maybe she can support his art and he can be really i don't know if we talked about that later but <laughs> i did like the the she included a little bit of everything right so there's the trap there's the tragedy there's the romance there's the humanity of it all with people just leaving their kids behind or their their loved ones when they're infected tossing them out a window like we don't usually face a contagion like that in in our country well, at this time, we knew it was mosquitoes passing it, so it didn't make a difference if you threw the bodies away. Right, but at this, it, there's nothing in this country that we'd be worried about getting that we would be like, okay, you're out. I'm kicking you out of the house so the rest of us don't get sick and die. And that's maybe the right logical choice because it's you or everybody. We just don't have it. It's anything. like is the means worth the ends. Yeah, well, it's a, yeah, it's a pragmatic approach. No. You know, Lucille was screaming, get her out of here, get her out of here, like trying to protect her. I don't think she would have, you know, thrown her out if that happened, despite the fact that they didn't say it a whole lot. They loved each other. Yeah. So, I don't know. That would be a tough situation. I can either, especially if you had a larger, like I say, a five or six kids, I can lose one kid or, or I could risk losing them all. And that would be a tough call to make. We'd probably just suffer and leave it in God's hands and say, all right, well, if you want them all to die, Lord, they're yours. And what are we going to do? But I'm not abandoning my child. But, That's a lot easier said than done, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Which is why I'm very glad to be in a place with medicine and proper hygiene and all those sorts of common graces that we take for <laughs> granted every day. All right. So overall, what was your score on the book? Score of the book would have been a four. Four out of five? Yes. All right. I can do that. I think four. It was, uh, like we said, it, it co- <clears throat> like we said, it covered a little bit of everything. The parts of the story for everybody involved paced really well. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd highly recommend it. And there wasn't too many characters that the cast was overwhelming, which was nice because I've yeah. read some books that it's like that, and then they're still introducing new characters. And it's like, who is this again? And it gets confusing fast. Yeah, well, that might have helped because we read it in one kind of, well, two really, two drives, one yeah. there and one back. So we didn't have a whole lot of time to wonder about about things but yeah i think it did a pretty good job of keeping the cast small so you understood or if they did introduce somebody they died shortly thereafter so you don't have to worry about them that this really sounds like a wide dystopian <laughs> what did you think of matilda's decision at the end of the book to make eliza a partner in the coffee house i think it was a smart decision because she's like the good chef but it also could have taken some damage to the cost coffee house if that was made publicly having an African-American be equal ownership. Mm, that's fair. I didn't consider that. I wonder if they would keep that private and just, like, should have the profits. I guess they couldn't make it private because it would have to be done at the courthouse. They talked about making it official. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that hap- what worked, How that worked when uh, Mama Cook came back because she technically owned all of it, not Matilda or not Maddie or Eliza, so... I guess she'd have to be okay with it as sick as she had been and whatnot. Yeah. Anyway. Or they'd split it three ways, whatever. Yeah, this is an interesting thought. Or she'll take her retirement. 
Retirement didn't exist back then. <laughs> All right. Well, this will be end of the conversation here for Fever, 1793. Uh, again, four four star four out of five stars. So it's a good good story. Uh, our next story is going to be Animal Farm by George Orwell. Nice quick read. It's been a long time since I've read it. I think uh, think I'm about halfway through in an hour. So it'll be a good quick read. There's a lot to discuss there. We're going to try to keep it as neutral as possible um, just because I know people can get into a lot of political conversation. As much fun as that can be, we don't want to alienate anybody um, on either side. It's just an interesting – I thought it was an interesting story from just a storytelling perspective. Um, especially if the version that I have has an audio book or is an audio book and has kind of some interviews about George Orwell ahead of time and why he wrote this and the way he did. It's kind of fun. Anything to say? Even though we're wrapping up the podcast episode of Fever, feel free to post stuff on Facebook. Any more questions and we can try to answer them or other people can try to answer them. Yeah, check out the Facebook club. Um, you can find it by going to the website and there's a link there for it. You can post comments on the art on the episodes themselves on, the, on there. Um, please like, share, and subscribe. We are pushing to get to 1,500... Uh, downloaded episodes by the end of the year. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a stretch, but we met our first goal, so we set a bigger one for ourselves. Yeah. Share, tell your friends, and uh, if you are going to follow along with the books that we're reading, go ahead and hit the bookstore over there at our, on their website, and anything, any link there that goes to Amazon kicks a little bit of money back to the show just to help us pay for hosting and all the equip- fancy equipment that we use, and anything extra will go to uh, Alora's Kickstarter for her first book that she will write eventually. <laughs> Right? <laughs> someday. Yes, yeah, someday. Yeah. She's, yeah. You should be posting some of your short... You know what? Post on the Facebook group that you want to see some of the things Alora's written so she'll actually publish something. She hates me now, but do it. Let her know. The majority of it's just fan fiction, though. Well, change the names and now it's your own story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. Again, reading-radio.com. Like, share, and subscribe. Tell everybody about us. And uh, until next time. Enjoy a good book. Bye. Bye. Reading Radio is a production of FF4 Media and is shared under a Creative Commons attribution license. You can use this in any endeavor you like as long as you give us credit. The music you're hearing is by Kevin McLeod of Income Tech, also released under Creative Commons 3.0 license. Thanks for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed it. Head over to our website, reading-radio.com, leave us a comment, tell us what you think, and maybe give us a suggestion for the books we should review in the future.